The But God series is a production of Eden Chapel and the EC Podcast. These episodes are a collection of interviews that testify of God's faithfulness in the midst of great trials. I am your host, Bobby Payne. With me today, I've got the brothers, Sam and Jonathan Mitchell. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks hey, for having going? us. Glad to have you here. I can't, I can't usually say this because G Money's in here with us, but we have got a room with faces for radio today. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, G is not in here to raise yeah. us up to, uh, to get us going, but uh, we're thankful that you're here today. Um, I know that uh, our listeners are as well and that you've got uh, some stuff to share with us today. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, give us some background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, who you are, that way people can hear your voices, know which one's which, um, and we'll get going here in just a second. Might be hard to differentiate with the voice, but we'll we'll try. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jonathan. I am uh, one of the elders here at Eden Chapel. Uh, I've been here for five years. Uh, I have a wonderful wife named Kara uh, for seven years and a little boy named Damien. And... Um, I am one of six siblings, and I'm right smack dab in the middle. I'm number three of the six, and um, yeah, that's about all you need to know about me. And um, my brother Sam is in here. I'll let you let him tell you about himself. Yeah, uh, I'm Sam. Uh, I have a wonderful wife named Neva, and the cutest baby girl the world has ever seen named Charlie. Fact uh, check does say that that is correct, by the way. <laughs> Both things. I, I mean. am biased. I am biased. I will say. I will say. Um, but no, uh, new members to Eden Chapel, uh, which we are just so thankful for uh, just what this church has been to us, just to strengthen love and encourage us. And we're just uh, so thankful for that. Uh, born and raised in South Knoxville, love Sono, uh, but... Uh, just super thankful uh, for this community and everything it's always been just to my family and uh, just golly this is hard (laughs) (laughs) we're not in front of a live audience it makes it a little difficult that's why I've been begging each week on Sunday mornings like come to the live show because it's way easier it is way easier (laughs) (laughs) excellent so we'll get we'll get going um, and you guys can kind of chime in and out uh, I'm sitting in the room and the voices are kind of difficult. I'm having to look and see who's talking. So, uh, listener, you, you, you feel my, I feel your pain right now, but there, there'll there, be a test at the end. Right? Uh, yeah, there will be, <laughs> there will be. Uh, so what is our focus for our time today, guys? Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk a, l- a little bit about, um, our mom and dad, both, uh, both of them have passed away and, um, our mom passed away in 2007, July. in July of 2007, uh, which was uh, the year before my senior year in high school. Um, I was 17. I Sam was 10. 10. Yeah. And then our dad passed away seven years later uh, when I was 24. Yeah, so, uh, 16, about to be 17. is in May of 2014. Yeah, so Sam about to go into his senior year, right? Finishing yeah. up junior year. Yeah. Um, I was in inside of a month to be married well, right outside a month to be married um and so a lot of life and a lot of things happening when with both parents passed away yeah, without a doubt but my god's been really faithful and we we wanted to share share about that today thank you and so if you will just walk us through um kind of how we're going to do this if you don't care 
um, between the two of you and then it, both situations. Um, just walk us through the tragedies. Yeah, I think we're just going to kind of walk through it chronologically, uh, which, you know, kind of different perspectives with, you know, our mom's death, Johnny being 17, me being 10, uh, and then all the way up to dad's death, you know, seven years later, you know, Johnny about to start a family, uh, getting married, and then, you know, me entering into my senior year. And so uh, just kind of walk through it chronologically through our life. All right. Thank you for that. Well, um, I've shared this a lot because I I know God's just worked powerfully through it. And um, just simply kind of where to start is God is blessed. I know Sam would attest to uh, bless us with just the greatest family that you could even imagine. And we had two very, very loving parents, loved Jesus, cared about us being in church, um, and uh, a whole crazy van pile of (laughs) brothers and sisters. Uh, We literally drove our daycare van around (laughs) to to get to places. And uh, we're all pretty close and still close to this day. And, um, you know, everything was just pretty amazing. Uh, Our mom did have some health issues when... Um, I know Sam was growing up when, when I was in middle school and getting into high school. Um, but I remember in, in, uh, 2006, 2007, just really urging her to, to get more serious about her health. Um, and she actually, uh, kind of against her wishes went, went to the doctor. Um, and they put her on, on bed rest and told her to get healthy. She was one of the hardest workers I've ever known. Uh, I mean, owned a daycare was there at five thirty, if not earlier, every morning. Uh, didn't come home till seven, seven thirty every night. Still cooked dinner. Still loved us. Still prayed with us. Still was up at one thirty in the morning doing paperwork, doing paperwork, doing whatever yeah, it was, payroll, whatever it might be. And you would, you know, I'd trundle downstairs, and instead of mom telling me to go back to sleep at one thirty in the morning, she would invite me to sit next to her and talk. You know, just that type of parent. And it was just amazing. Uh, But she finally uh, got to the point where she listened, was on bed rest. She was going uh, and got to the point where she was starting to feel better. We had a great family vacation. I don't know if you remember that, Sam. Um, Before, uh, in in June of 2007, man, it was just so much fun. Uh, We went to one of our favorite places and just had a great family time. And and, and mom did really well, you know, like kind of. I remember playing badminton with her and she was a boss, like really good. Insanely good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we had a really good time. And, um, I remember in, in July of 2007, I was, um, you know, working out for football, really excited for my senior football season. And, um, on July 12th, um, I'd come home from a pretty hard workout. I remember that morning was pretty tough and, I was talking to Alex about this yesterday. Um, Alex and I were supposed to, uh, Alex Nipper, if y'all don't know, is our worship leader and also my best friend. <laughs> and we were supposed to go play golf that day. And I was like, I'm skipping out on that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to crash and try to recover from this workout. And mom came home, um, and laid in bed with me, uh, just to tell me she loved me. Uh, it wasn't unusual for her to do something like that, but you know, that, Little did I know that would be the last thing I ever heard from my mom was, I love you. 
And um, she went into the den, and um, I don't have quite this perspective, uh, Sam and Caleb more so than me, but but my next thing was being waking up to uh, Sam and Caleb just screaming. I thought the house was on fire. And uh, do you, do you remember any of that? Sam? Yeah. I know. Uh, so I remember, you know, pretty vividly that day. Uh, don't know why I woke up early. Can't, uh, which was very unusual to me for me to this day, you know, I sleep in as much as I can. I usually sleep pretty hard, but just woke up early, ended up going into work at the daycare with mom that day. Uh, and we came home, uh, you know, I, I, sometime around, you know, 10 30 ish. And, uh, you know, mom ended up, she was going to make lunch and take a nap, do all that and goodness. And so, uh, you know, I ended up, you know, doing what kids do, wanted to go play some video games and everything. And so I'd actually, uh, kind of left to go do video games and Caleb, you know, was kind of talking with mom as she was laying on the couch, you know, about to take a nap. And, uh, he, was doing something on her phone, you know, one thing or another. And he was uh, checking her voicemails. Yeah. And he went to go tell her, you know, Hey, you have, you have a voicemail and, you know, just kind of no response, you know? And, you know, as Caleb, you know, kind of went over to her, it just kind of like looked like she was gasping, uh, almost for air. And, uh, you know, so Caleb starts screaming, I can come running down. I just, you know, I still can vividly remember, you know, her eyes kind of wide open, just looking like she couldn't breathe. And uh, so, you know, of course, you know, I'm 10, Caleb's 12. We have no clue what to do. So we're literally just in full-on freak-out mode. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Caleb was the one who came running in uh, to get you, and we were just kind of we, – we had no clue what to do. And so, you know, we just ran to Johnny to kind of tell us, and, you know, you want to pick it back up from there? Yeah, I – um so I went running. I thought the house was on fire, you know, and I, I ran in and, um, uh, I guess about the time I got into the living room, Caleb and Sam had told me, you know, mom's something's wrong. And, uh, as Sam said, you know, she just looked like, uh, it wasn't lifeless. It was like, she was almost like crying for help, but couldn't cry eyes wide open, basically like help me. And so I began dialing 911 and trying to shield my little brothers from as much, you know, trauma as I could, I guess. So I was trying to kind of get them out of the house. And I told, I think I told one of them to call dad and, um, so I called 911 and they asked me just, you know, is she breathing? She wasn't breathing. Um, you know, unresponsive. And, um, so the, the 911 operator asked, asked me if I knew CPR and I did, I mean, I knew what it was, but didn't, I wasn't certified or didn't know how to do it really. And so the, the operator just kind of told me what to do. And so I had to perform CPR for about, I don't know, eight to 10 minutes, maybe on mom, um, you know, and, uh, uh, Finally, I remember the uh, EMTs getting there and um, getting my mom into the floor. And uh, I remember trying to keep Sam and Caleb outside. And about that time, I think Ruth Ann and someone from Promises to the daycare um, pulling in. And I watched them uh, shock mom on the floor. And I thought, you know, she's 
she's gone. She's, you know, I just watched my mom die. And about this time, Alex was calling me and I was hysterical and said, man, I think my mom just died. And he was there in about two minutes somehow. And, uh, we all went to the hospital. We followed the ambulance and by this time, all of our siblings, except Laura, I think, were able to, to be together. And uh, they, on the way to the hospital, they ended up shocking mom again and finding, getting a pulse. And were able, to, um, were able to at least get something. So they got her in the ER. Um, and by the time kind of everyone got together, when we got to go back and see her, uh, she was completely on a, a vent, uh, no response, nothing. And it kind of became a waiting game. What's going on? What, what happened? And, uh, basically all we found out in the coming days is, is our mom had had an, an arrhythmia, something with the heart where there's an irregular heart beating in her heart just stopped. And so, uh, we started, you know, for about 15 minutes, she was without oxygen to her brain. And so we had to start figuring out kind of what, what happened next. And I remember those five days we, yeah. uh, man, they were crazy. Um, so much love and support from our home church, Mount yeah. Olive. And, uh, I'll just never forget getting to the hospital and I swear 50 people were already there. Yeah, and yeah. like, it was just like, how, like how, or like how did everybody drop everything and just get here? And it's, uh, it's still one of the greatest testimonies of like, if you, if you want to know, like what the church is there for, like, man, you know, it was just the biggest outpouring of love. I think I've still ever felt. Yeah. And, um, it was like that, like the whole time, yeah. you know, you would go to the hospital, there's still 50 people there, you know, you're like, how are they doing this? You know? <laughs> and, um, but I remember, uh, day five was supposed to be kind of the day that things were like, either it's going to, she's going to recover. She's not. I remember, um, it was a Monday night going into a Tuesday, and I remember um, that night having a dream that mom was up in her hospital bed and really mad that everyone had made a big deal and everyone's around her, kind of like my mom would do. And um, so I woke up Tuesday really hopeful. I went to football workouts, and um, I remember a coach of mine that cared really deeply for me and pulled me aside and said, "Hey, how, you know, how's she doing?" and I said, well, today's a big day. And I remember saying, I'm really hopeful. You know, I just, I think, think things are going to work out. And, uh, I went home and that was back before, you know, cell phones, you just kept them attached to you. So I, I would leave mine at home and I got home and I had 17 missed calls from, from my brother and, uh, Brad. And when, uh, when I called him back, he just said, Hey, stay where you're at. I need to come talk to you. And I knew that wasn't good. And so I just met him outside and he got to the house and I met him outside and he knew I knew. And, uh, I just kind of collapsed on him because I mean, my, my whole family, I guess everyone that was aware knew that, you know, I was the one that was in charge of trying to resuscitate mom. And so those thoughts of uh, not being able to get her back were really heavy with me. And, you know, Brad and dad and all those around, you know, just hugged me and said, hey, we love you. And, 
you know, dad was always such an encouragement because he would say, you know, if you hadn't done what you had done, we wouldn't have had these five days. And um, so we got the news that mom was uh, completely in a vegetative state, unresponsive, unable. If she were going to live, it'd be completely on a ventilator, would have to be fed via feeding tube and would probably never, ever be able to communicate or anything. And so we then had to make the tough decision. Well, how does this go? What do we do? What would mom want to do? And when we're gathering as a family and, you know, I know from this perspective for me, um, no one wanted to say anything. Uh, we had my mom's parents in there. We had my dad's mom in there, obviously dad and all the family. And no one wanted to say what we all knew, what we thought we should say and what mom would want. And, um, Sam being, uh, little 10 year old and mom's angel baby, uh, which we always joke, Sam got rocked to sleep until he was nine years old, by the way. But, <laughs> but I remember Sam standing up and the first thing anyone said from the family after dad explained the situation was, uh, Sam got up and said, as a 10 year old little boy, he said, will it hurt if we pull her off the the vent and my dad said no buddy it won't hurt her and then Sam said well she needs to go and be with Jesus and so we we all agreed and we did that and um, she died uh, July 17 2007 um, sometime in the evening about six o'clock I think and uh, I know for me and I think we both talked about this Sam like Nothing as impactful as anything I've ever experienced, but walking down as a family to 200 or so people in the east wing of UT Hospital and just hugged us, didn't, didn't say anything, didn't, I mean, no one, no one really talked, they just hugged us. And then uh, dad asked if everyone would sing it as well. And we sang uh, it as well, I never had listened to that hymn really well before and remember singing it and when peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll that line finally hit me and uh, but whatever my lot that was taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul and, and that was an impactful moment for me um, and I don't know Sam do you have anything from, from that point of view I mean uh, yeah just how how impactful that really was just a one to walk down and I don't know how many people it was but it felt like 200 I mean it just felt like everybody from Mount Olive which was our church at the time was just there mm-hmm. and like it just felt there was comfort almost right away uh like don't know how to explain it but it was just like uh, you know these people are they're they're here for you they're they're here to love on you and uh i mean those those words just still are so impactful you know i can still remember you know neva had a c section so we go into uh, the hospital at 2 a.m. uh getting ready for charlie and everything and uh we happen to walk through the east wing and i i just remember like it just hit me all again i just start tearing up a little bit and he was like what's wrong with you and i'm like 
yeah, this is like, this is where we sang. I can still remember the little Starbucks over in the corner, like just everything, you know, just, it was just such a, a moment of seeing like, you know, you know, God is here. Like God, God has stuff in store. God's on display. And, uh, just a moment that's always stuck with me. Always so thankful for. Yeah. And that's what really speaks to me. And I know we'll get to the point, like seeing how God worked, but every time I walk through the East lobby at UT hospital, the sting of mom's death is not what hits. It's Mm -hmm. that, that Mm -hmm. moment of just like worship that we had. Um, and knowing that mom would not have that any other way than her family um, worshiping Jesus as she was ushered into his arms. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it, that's just the beauty of the gospel is what should be this terrible, terrible memory of a terrible, terrible day is fl- over, over flooded by the, the joy that the, the hope of the gospel brings. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we want to get to maybe what, God, how he's worked through all that later. But I mean, there's so much between that seven year gap. Maybe we'll fill in. Yeah. Uh, And I I think just to kind of speak to a few things from my perspective, like the five days, especially for me, like, like you talk about just like fervent prayer, like prayer of a child. Like I was like 24 seven praying, like God, heal my mom, God, heal my mom, God, heal my mom. And you know, like that, that was truly like one of the most devastating things for me. Like I remember wanting to be in the room when they, um, you know, ended up taking her off of life support, but like just couldn't stand it. Like I was crying so much. I ended up throwing up. And so I literally went out and it's like, my body had been like, so like just pouring everything out that I fell asleep, like on a waiting room, uh, a little bench and I'll never forget waking up and you know, dad telling me like, Hey, you know, mom's gone to be with Jesus. And, you know, it's just this, it's just these questions. Like I can remember them almost like just flowing through my mind as a 10 year old, just like, you know, God, why didn't you heal? (laughs) Like what's going on here, God, what are you doing? Like, why aren't you healing? And like I said, there's these moments of comfort, but then there's moments of like, God, what are you, what are you even doing here? Yeah. And I mean, I certainly had those too. Um, but I, I was really thankful and, and I don't know, maybe we can just go ahead and get to this part. What, what was really amazing for me specifically, like personally was God had been preparing me for this and I, I had no idea, but I remember, um, being at a church camp at, in um, in Myrtle beach, I believe is where it was. And, um, the, the camp pastor talked about tragedy. I never experienced tragedy up to this point, my life was about as close to perfect as you, as you could get. And, um, but I listened so intently and I remember him talking about what to do when the bottom drops out. And basically the, the gist of the, the message was run to the cross because at the cross we see that no pain that we endure, um, hasn't been felt by God himself. And, um, and at the cross we see that God paints on a bigger canvas than we can see. I remember those words comforting me. And even in the hospital, I remember opening my Bible and looking at that message and, and ended up in the coming months and, and years even sharing that hope uh, that I had uh, with others. And the, the problem with me was, was I dealt with that deep, dark place of um, why couldn't mom have just been resuscitated right there, you know, like 
it's hard to look into someone you someone's eyes that you love so much and want them and do everything you can to bring bring them back and nothing happened and I remember dealing with those questions laying in bed at night and screaming like into my pillow so I wouldn't wake anyone up and just God I don't understand why why this way what you know um and I came to the conclusion, you know, through reading God's word is God is completely okay with me asking some of those really hard questions. Um, and, um, what I, what I've been thankful for is, um, he's, he's glad to answer him too. Mm. Um, it's just sometimes the answer is not exactly what we think it should be, but I'm thankful that the answers are his answers. And, um, so when I ask like why mom died and, whatnot there's a lot of really awesome answers that are just like gospel saturated and that's what i'm thankful for you know um one of the most prominent i know for me you know sam you probably know where where i'm going is the next year we went back to to summer camp and um, i really appreciated this this camp pastor and we were going to the same place because that message kind of was the foundation for everything that carried me and and so we were there and um our youth pastor had actually emailed the the camp pastor and just said, Hey, I just want you to know about this situation. And on the last night of camp, I guess the guy got the email like right before the last night of camp. And as he's preaching the last night, um, he just opens his phone. He says, I need to share this email with you all. And he just, he shares mom's story and shares the story of God's faithfulness in our family and how, um, even when it hurts, God's still worthy to be praised, and that even um, that that we believe that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so, I remember the pastor just standing up and saying, "Like, I want you to see, like, because I've been talking about this person, you all may never know, but here's someone that's like actually been going through it this year, and I want you to to meet him." And so, he asked me to come up on stage with him, and. Um, I went up on stage and everyone, you know, it was kind of like that moment, like, wow, this is like flesh and blood. This does happen to people. And, but God is good. And I remember him hugging me really tight and saying, I hope that was okay. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like people need to know about God's grace and people need to know, I want people to hear the story about my mom. And, um, and so we went and sat back down and, and he just, he just said, Hey, I, I want to offer the invitation for you to, um, to say that grace that has saved Jonathan and his mom and his family, like that's the grace that God's extending to you. And just to watch like hundreds of people stand up and respond. Like it was just, man, it was overwhelming. And we don't always get to see the fruit of Mm -hmm. those things, but God was gracious to us. And it was just a powerful, powerful time. And, uh, something I pray I never forget. Um, and that, that's just one of the amazing ways we've seen God work through through mom's life and death. Without a doubt. Yeah. And if you want, we can keep going as far as, you know, going through here, and then we can circle back around. If you want to share any other experiences or um, any other ways how you saw God working in your personal lives or, or even carrying, like you were saying, even carrying this testimony uh, with you along the way, um, and then we'll circle back around um, to talk about your dad in just a minute. Uh, I think for me, uh, I was on staff at Mount Olive Baptist Church actually as a student minister for four years. And, uh, you know, people still talk about our mom's funeral. Uh, it's 
uh, they say to this day, it's the second biggest funeral they've ever seen. Uh, but I just remember this just outpouring of love from the South Knoxville community. And you got to see how many people our mom had really impacted, but I'll never forget, uh, me and my dad were driving to, uh, this man who we just absolutely love. His name's Lynn Mertz to ask him to be a pallbearer, um, Mom loved him. He's the greatest guy ever. He wears a sweater vest every single Sunday. He's amazing. Um, but yeah, incredible piano player and just the most genuine loving soul you could ever you could ever find. And we pulled up to this wrong house. Uh, and my dad goes knock on the door. It's this random guy. And as you know, as soon as my dad opens the door, the guy just starts crying. And uh, I just remember being like, what is going on? And you know, why is this dude crying like in my dad's arms? And so I get out of the car and this guy just begins to just tell this just amazing just testimony how, how mom had impacted him and his two little girls lives. And, uh, you know, as we said, mom had a daycare and uh, she just loved kids so well like it was a joke you know to a bunch of people that you'd walk into the room and mom would just be sitting on the floor in the weirdest position ever uh with her legs spread open and then sitting up straight like weirdest thing ever with like nine kids in between. nine kids one like hanging over her shoulder the other one on her lap just the weirdest thing but you know you just had all these kids who just absolutely loved mom this guy just begins to tell us you know how when they moved to South Knoxville, they didn't know what daycare they were going to go to. They didn't really have any friends, and they walked in through Promises' door. And, you know, Mom just loved them, actually introduced them to Mount Olive, which was a church they visited, like all of this. And they just said, you know, like it was just Jesus on display through our mom to, to that family. And that was just like the, the testimony of how sweet her soul was to so many people in South Knoxville. And so, you know, I'll just never forget this absolutely uh, – big funeral for mom and just so many people just coming through the line, just telling us of how, how they've impacted, uh, they've been impacted by her. And it was just, uh, you talk about like God on display showing how he moves through his people. It was just incredible. I remember talking about mom's funeral. Um, like it makes me want to live like Marianne Mitchell to the fact, like the thing that stuck out to me the most was, um, during the visitation time and, just so many people. Um, but there was a particular, he's probably a three, four-year-old little boy and his mom. I didn't know who they were, but obviously went to the daycare and um, the little boy got to the casket and he literally wanted to climb in and just sit on mom's lap and just cried like crazy when his mom took him away. And I thought, man, what a powerful testimony that a child wants to just sit with you <laughs> even when your your body's lifeless like it was just a, an incredible testimony and I, I remember just thinking that uh, I really hope I'm like her you know um, just a you you never doubted that you were loved when you were around my mom mm -hmm. and and that was just so so impactful for me and so we fast forward seven years and if you all could just circle us back around because a similar tragedy kind of takes place seven years later in your lives. Yeah. Um, so for me, I can just remember really, uh, really just how close me and my dad had gotten over the past year. Or so, uh, 
everyone at this point moved out of the house there in college, like all that. And, uh, it's just me and my dad at home. And so, you know, we eat dinner together like every night and, you know, I'm a, I'm a high schooler who's really, really dumb and, uh, struggling with some things. But so there's times where I'm rejecting him and running different ways and, you know, hanging out with friends and doing stupid things. But, uh, I just, those times where we'd go to Craven Wings or we'd, uh, go to Chop House or, and just times where we'd go out to eat and we'd just, you know, hang out with one another and he'd just love on me and care for me so well. And, uh, just remember that closeness, this, this bond that we had. And, uh, I still remember really, really well. We, on May 4th that evening, you know, uh, my dad had asked me to come pick him up. He had been with his girlfriend, uh, Sharon during the day and they were in her car. So I went to go pick him up and he was like, let's go to dinner. And uh, I had a soccer game the next day. He was taking uh, my grandmother to the doctor. So uh, he was actually going to stay the night up there, but he wanted to go to dinner with me before we went. And so we went out to Craven Wings, which I still go to all the time. Uh, But we ate and we just had, you know, a great time. We ended up going home and uh, just talk and love on one another he looks at me and he's just like hey you know i'll see you tomorrow at the game play hard have fun and win <laughs> and uh which was always what our dad would say uh for every game and so uh go to sleep that night i actually ended up sleeping in his bed for some reason i don't really know why and uh, i just remember i don't know what time in the morning four or five whatever it was uh just kind of like waking up but being half awake as uh hearing you know my brothers outside the door and it was like they were whispering about something but I didn't really know what and like I'm half dreaming so I'm thinking they're like playing a prank on me like in my dream or something and uh my brothers end up coming through the door and I can tell they're crying I'm like waking up my glasses aren't on I can't really even see who's there and uh my brother Brad looks at me and he says Sam dad passed away last night in his sleep and uh I just remember getting wrecked uh so many thoughts just start going through my mind but I just remember looking at them and going what am I gonna do uh because I'm thinking you know I don't have a mom here now I don't have a dad and I'm just completely lost and uh so I remember just falling into Brad's arms and just being like what am I gonna do what am I gonna do and him just saying the most comforting, comforting things you can say to someone in tragedy is I got you. (laughs) And, uh, you know, not to take anything away from the story later on, but like, I just remember this, that questioning of God, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, you know, Brad with that, I got you. It's just this great picture of, you know, Jesus is the one upholding us in trial. You know, we, we can completely fall upon him and he's the one picking us up and holding us. And, uh, I just remember going to uh, get ready to go to Morristown. We had had to, my brother Caleb didn't know yet. So we were trying to, you know, basically go to his house next and tell him. And uh, I remember we were getting ready to go up to Morristown. And my game was actually at Morristown East that night. And I had to go grab all my soccer stuff because I decided I wanted to play. And I, walk through the door and like up to this point I'd just been kind of like solemn uh didn't really uh show much emotion outside of 
there at the very beginning and I uh I walk through the door and go to the laundry room and it's like it just all hits me and I just remember falling down on the ground and just bawling my eyes out and I don't know how long I was in there before Brad and Ruthie came in just to uh, check on me and love on me but we get up to Morristown and uh, once again it's the church just on full display and you just see people start to love on you like no other uh, you know I don't know how we packed that many people into my mom's house but we did somehow and I just remember uh, so many people just sitting there with us uh, it's something that's like really really impacted me you know people not having to you know, say their cliche thing or whatever, but they were just sitting there and they were there when we needed them. You, you need food. Okay. We're going to go get food. You, you all need to pray. Okay. We're going to pray. You all, you all need to just someone to hug and cry with. We're going to hug and cry with you. And it was just this people who were saying, we're here for you, no matter what you need, no matter what's going to happen. Like we're not going anywhere. We're here the whole day with you. And it was just something that's once again, always stuck with me as I just you know, see people who at that time in my life, I was actually, because of where I was at, pushing away and rejecting like crazy, uh, were the ones who were there loving on me. And uh, just to just to see that love is something that's always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, my story with dad's really crazy, and I've shared a little bit on the podcast before, you know, Bobby. and um, But shortly after mom passed away, um, dad didn't know how to deal with it just like any of us didn't. And, um, I remember him coming to me and asking if, if it would, if it would be okay if he started dating someone. And I told him, I, I said, dad, I don't, I don't pretend to know how you feel. And I hope I never do know how you feel. Um, but I think we'll be okay with it. Well, it ended up not going too pleasantly and me and him had a big falling out and, um, this was just like a year removed from mom's passing. So we're both dealing with that. We're both struggling. We both said some really awful things to one another and we didn't talk for about a year and a half. And I remember God called me to, to Providence Baptist church, um, just up the road from here. And, and I remember one of my first sermons there was on Ephesians chapter six and it was about children obeying your parents. And, and I thought, man, how can I, how can I preach this sermon? And I called my dad and um, we hadn't talked in a long time. And I said, dad, I love you and I forgive you. And, uh, will you forgive me? And we cried and he forgave me and asked for forgiveness. And from that point on, God just restored our relationship, just a wonderful father son relationship. And, um, you know, saying like Sam was saying, he was just so loving. He would, he, he called me all the time and left me the goofiest voicemails about the most random things. And, um, I would love, like, I'd be listening to sports talk and randomly my dad's voice would be on there cause he had called in. <laughs> loved Conzo Martin. Yes, Very loved, bad take, but yeah. loved Conzo Martin. <laughs> loved Conzo Martin. Big time. Was a big defender of Conzo Martin and, uh, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and so on May 4th, I was, I was actually preaching at Providence that night and my dad had called me right before church and had, didn't leave me a voicemail and, I preached a message titled why we need the church. And it was just about why we need one another and uh, talked about it both in tragedy, but both to, to fulfill the mission that God's called us to. We need each other. And I didn't know how much I would need that message. And 
just a few short hours. But um, I called my dad on the way home from church on May 4th. And um, I said, hey, did you call? He didn't leave a voicemail. And he's like, yeah. He said, I just wanted to chat. And I was like, okay. I think he must have been on the way up to Morristown or something. And so we just talked. And he was so, so happy about uh, his girlfriend Sharon's granddaughters had been baptized that day. And he was so happy. And we just rejoiced at how God saves, and we were so thankful that God was moving, and we were just we were just praising the Lord for probably ten or fifteen minutes, and and uh, my dad's last words were, um, "I love you, son," and I said, "I love you," and to both my parents, I, I don't deserve that, but both my parents' last words to me were, "I love you," and uh, just kind of as Sam said the next morning, I got the phone call, and. Um, you know, that dad had passed away and, and, um, that, that day just God, like using that message that I preached, like, like would be what kind of preached to me. It was weird. And I just remember, like Sam said, the church now I'm at Providence, a place that Karen and I love and, um, Karen and I are about to get married, you know, and just lost my dad. I don't like, I didn't know what to do. And, there's just people from Mount Olive, from Providence, from from everywhere, from my grandmother's church um, that just wanted to love us. And they just wanted to be there. Like Sam said, they didn't want to offer some some phrase that in hopes that we might remember that. But that, like I can see the people that were just there that would just hugged you. And once again, at dad's funeral, just kind of the same thing. The people that were there, the people that testified of God's grace and in, in my dad. And it, it just... It was just amazing, but you know, I, I remember, I remember um, being so worried about Sam and uh, you know the rest of my family. I mean, and I'm not saying that like I had it all together, <laughs> like I'm not. But I knew Sam was in a, that was rough a bad spot. place, yeah. And to watch, you know, S- Sam didn't talk, <laughs> uh, didn't move, didn't react, you know, and it was kind of like. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I was so scared and just praying like, God, like, please, please help this just be what Sam, you know, relies on you for. And, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about anything there, but yeah. Uh, I mean, so like up to this point, uh, a lot of it stemming from mom's death right before dad's death. I was just, uh, especially, I guess sophomore year of high school is when it kind of hit me. I started kind of feeling this, uh, never doubting as God real, but I started doubting as God good. Uh, and I'm in church at this point, you know, dad's forcing me to go. I'm not really wanting to go, but dad is, you know, he was a great dad who, you know, parents who are like, don't force your kids to go to church. I'm sorry. I'm against you on that. Like, I think the church is where your kids should be. But, uh, I just remember, I basically playing this fake thing at church, like I'm all good. And then, you know, leaving and then hanging out with, you know, people who I'm doing drugs with people who I'm, uh, just trying to ease any kind of pain that's going on in my heart. And so, uh, started really struggling with God. And I, it's not like, I, once again, didn't doubt, you know, is God real, but I, I hated God. And I was like, I wanted nothing to do with God. If this, if this is who God is, then, then I don't want him. And, uh, that's kind of, kind of where I was at and, uh, just a super dark place of pretty much every night, just kind of feeling worthless, uh, just feeling like, you know, 
what what's even the point and uh i know when dad's death hit uh it it just spiraled me uh right away like i don't remember every thought that went through my brain that day but i know a lot of it was like this this life's not even worth it you know and uh like johnny said i just kind of sat there quiet uh didn't really want didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want anybody to talk to me. Uh, I can remember I went back and laid in my mom's bed and people would come in just to like try to have a conversation with me and I just wouldn't even respond to them. And I wasn't like trying to be a jerk. I just didn't even know what to say, what to do or anything like that. Like it got in, it got to one point that like I even went and sat in the bathroom and basically pretended like I was pooping for like three hours because I wanted to be by myself. Like, and it was just all, all these thoughts just flooding my mind of, you know, like I hate this life and uh I'll just never forget the the next I don't even know I guess it would have been the next two months just this constant argument with God like I that's the best way I can put it like I was basically on a mission to prove like God you know is not good and uh you know, for the first time in a long time, I'm searching scripture, but it's to, it's to prove that, you know, it's not inerrant, that it does have errors, that this is messed up and it's flawed. And if God's really good, then there wouldn't be suffering. If God's really good, then things that have happened to me in this world wouldn't be happening. And, uh, you know, not to fast forward too much into everything later, but it's kind of through all that, that God, uh, you know, just really finally opened my eyes to know, Sam, you're not good. <laughs> Your version of good is very flawed, actually, and opened my eyes to the weight of my sin and just to the to the glory of his grace. And uh, just, I can, I'll, I'll never forget just being on my bed and kind of in this prayer with God. And like, I literally, in my prayer, said, you win. Like, like this, my life's yours, you know, whatever comes from it, this, this is all for you. And, uh, but can just remember in that place thinking, you know, what, what, what is this all supposed to be for to just two months later, God going, this is what it's all for. And, uh, it's all for, all for the glory of my name. And, uh, that might sound like a selfish thing, but it gives you more purpose in life than ever before. I mean, that's, that was just a really cool thing watching is how, God used the probably the worst thing that has ever happened to us to um, to make His glory known. Uh, you know, especially in Sam's life, like seeing that firsthand, just been the coolest thing. And and I know this, like there's been times, and I've even said it out loud, and and now I know it's just it's just dumb. But like I love my mom and dad so 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 much, and. I would give just about anything to have 30 seconds with them again. But at the same time, I know that they would both spend their 30 seconds probably whipping me up and down for even wanting time with them selfishly here for all that God has done through this. And they wouldn't trade it for the world. If I I know like that's the beauty of just God's grace and in mom and dad is if they would say, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna make God's name known to thousands. We're gonna, um, we're gonna save one of your children, but you, it's gonna be through your death." They would go sign me up, mm-hmm. and that's just the beauty of it. And 
And I, I just pray for, for faith like that. that what, a, what an incredible thing. And I know you guys could share stories after stories and for hours and hours that you know of uh, from the impact of your, your parents passing. Um, but just to sit here, uh, you know, kind of listening and taking it in, I can't imagine the countless other stories that you've not heard of, the, mm-hmm. their impact, uh, you know, that you may never hear of on this side. Um, what a, what an encouragement. And again, like you said, showing God doing God things through even the worst tragedies. Mm-hmm. And so you guys experienced something super unique at such a young age. Um, you know, most people couldn't, cannot, I guess, be there or understand what you all went through at that age. So with that being said, Give us some encouragement or some advice um, to those who may be going through a similar situation or who have gone through um, a similar situation. Uh, just, just some things that, that you would have for the listener today uh, that could be going through some sort of tragedy, similar or even not similar, but just tragedy in general. I mean... Uh... I say this as someone who was terrible at it, but it's really hard to suffer well. But, you know, in the end, it's one of the greatest things. Uh, I think one of the things that is constantly misunderstood is rejoicing doesn't mean that you can't be crying. And uh, rejoicing is this declaration of faith. It's not a it's not a feeling. It's Rejoicing knowing of what is coming, uh, rejoicing of knowing what is happening, rejoicing and knowing that because we believe in who God is and believe in it, that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do and has done what he says he has done, that we can trust fully in that and we can rejoice in that and knowing even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of despair, we can rejoice knowing this is all for his glory and for our good. And you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, going back to when I'm 10, praying like crazy, saying, God, heal my mom, God, heal my mom, God, heal my mom, and then thinking, God, you didn't heal my mom. And God's like, no, I healed her in a way that is far beyond anything you can understand. She's in a newly resurrected body. There's no temptation of sin. There's no death or decay. There's just glory. And what what a beautiful thing that is that we can look forward to and the hope that we can have and the things that we can rejoice in is that, you know, they're in eternity. They're in their eternal body forever with no, with no sin, no shame, uh, just the father and just glory. Yeah. Um, my, my advice would be a verse that that month before, uh, mom collapsed was given at, at church camp, and it's uh, Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the Christian spirit. And what took me a long time to understand and learn, and really it took experience to, to, to know it and trust it, was um, when, when you're brokenhearted and when you're crushed, you're not far from God, but God is near you. And uh, He's faithful and He's good and He's holding you up and the beauty of a sovereign God who's in control of everything, who's working all things out for uh, the good of his people and for his glory is that suffering and pain and tragedy are not meaningless. And 
in any other worldview, it is. It, it, it's just, well, crap happens. Sorry, your mom and dad died. You know, suck it up. In ours, it's going, God is using it for a purpose, uh, for a purpose that we've gotten to see, by God's grace, a little bit of how he's worked. But as you said, Bobby, there's probably countless of other things that we can't we can't testify to, but God has used. And he does that with pain and tragedy. And um, I'm so thankful for that. And so my encouragement is when you're brokenhearted, when you're crushed in spirit, and when you feel like you couldn't be further from God, remember that the Lord is near the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. And um, I, I thank God that it's not up to me uh, in trial and tragedy uh, to be near to God. He He comes to us uh, just like you know, as a father, when my when my son gets hurt, um, I don't I don't wait for him to come to me and be like, "Don't worry, I'll, then I'll like." If he's hurt, I'm going to him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to love him, and that's what God's done to us. And so, uh, take solace and take take heart in the truth that that God is near to the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. That would be my encouragement. Gentlemen, are there any final thoughts as we're wrapping up? Uh, I think I would just echo once again, you know, something Johnny said earlier, you know, it's, it's crazy to say that we wouldn't trade how things would take, took place, you know? Yeah. We, I I want nothing more than for my mom to get to hold Charlie. Like that's something that just like, you know, makes me just tear up at night. You know, I, I would want nothing more than my mom and dad to just get to love on her and hold her. And, you know, I would have loved for them to be at my last soccer game, you know, when we win a rugby state championship, when, you know, graduate high school and then college, when I get married, you know, when we have our first child. But when you, when you see the impact of everything that has taken place, it's, you just look at it and go, it, it's worth it. And it's crazy to say, but there, there's something about in times of tragedy that people just lean in. Uh, you know, I can, I can remember just the amount of people who are just kind of like looking at you. I don't know if they're looking to see if maybe you explode or maybe, you know, kind of what happens, but people are just leaning in to see kind of what's going to happen. And it's, it's just truthfully in, in places where, all you can lean on and all that you can say is holding you up as God is when he's, you know, most displayed and what a, what a beautiful thing that is, you know? And I think I would just encourage people and just tell people to, you know, take refuge in God, knowing that it is in these times that he's going to be most glorified. Yeah. Your, your light shines brightest when your world's the darkest. And, um, so don't, when pain and tragedy come, I know it's easier said than done, but don't hide your light under a bushel. Like let it shine. God's worthy and he's gracious and good. And, um, he is the rock that, uh, we, we can build our life upon. So, um, and, and your house will stand even when all around you crumbles. So he's good. Thank you guys so much. Uh, it's an honor to call you guys friends. I'm glad we got to sit here and do this today. Same um, to you, Bobby. Yeah, oh, for sure. For I'm sure. blushing. Thanks. Stop <laughs> it. You can say it again if you want. It's okay. Uh, but for real, thank you all for being here today. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, I know there are going to be a lot of people who uh, 
will be tuning in, and, and we hope that uh, that you all have been an uh, encouraged listener today by this. Can, can I just say, just before you end, um, we've talked a lot about our parents and, um, and all that, but I just want to say again, my siblings oh, and yeah. my grandparents, especially yeah. my, our last living one, are, they're so amazing. We didn't get to share a lot of their perspective today, but uh, you know, it may be like, it, it, they're just the most amazing people and God's yeah. been so good to us through, through our siblings and our grandmother. And I just, I didn't want it to make, I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't get overlooked in all this. Absolutely. They're just so good. And, and I praise God for them. Yeah. Amen. Definitely. Again, thank you guys. Appreciate you all. We love you guys very much. This concludes episode four of our, but God series. We pray that you've been blessed and encouraged by what was shared today. We look forward to sharing many more testimonies of the goodness of our God through great trials. Until next time, God bless.